Just raise your hand if you had kids in VBS. Okay, and if you were a student in VBS, raise your hands. Excellent. Okay, so among other things that we learned in VBS, uh, uh, a few, few big ones. You know, when I don't understand, Jesus loves me. When I feel alone, Jesus loves me. When I'm left out, Jesus loves me. And in a subtle way, in a good way, I think, we're trying to subvert the Disney message, you know, that's hammered into our kids, which is, you know, just conceive of the most, you know, incredibly amazing dream that you can think of and just believe and, you know, it'll come true. And, you know, the kids are probably too young for Randy Newman, but I'm not. And I want to say like Randy Newman, no, no, no. It's a jungle out there. Disorder and confusion everywhere. No one seems to care. Well, I do. Hey, who's in charge here? Right? Because we know that the world is not uh, delivered to us on a silver spoon. And we're teaching our kids to persevere. And those things were on my mind this week as I looked at the news. Next slide. Uh, previous one, please. Uh, sorry, the, the news. Okay, so I don't know if this news has been able to penetrate with all that's been going on this week. And, you know, international news, it, it's not really an American thing sometimes. You know, the local news is like an hour and a half, and the international news, the world news is like half an hour. I don't really get it. But um, I listen to uh, the BBC and NPR sometimes, and you get news. And for some reason this week, I was really struck, especially by the, by the crash in uh, Ukraine, really the, the murder in Ukraine, and that the, the, the crime scene has been, you know, tampered with, and international politics are keeping investigators out. And I thought, wow, is justice even possible for these 298 families? And, and I, heard a, um, uh, I heard a little snippet on NPR, and I was driving in the car, I think it was Wednesday, and I don't know when the president was speaking. Like, president Barack Obama is going to speak. I'm like, oh, great, I'm in the car. I was trying to find it on the radio. Couldn't find it. Couldn't even find it on the radio. I'm like, the president is speaking about this international thing. Like, I couldn't hear him. So I was flip, flipping through the radio stations, and, and I heard, like, you know, there's a sale at weekends only this week. You know, Yadier's thumb. I mean, you know, it's on the men. And, you know, uh, Adam Wainwright, you know, he's really important for the Cardinals. I'm like, where is this? And so what did I do? Uh, uh, I asked myself this question. Um, how, what do I need to know? What do I need to believe to have some kind of peace in a dangerous world? Like, it's just dangerous. So whether on the world stage or in your own life, like right now, right? I know that there's issues in the living room, dealing with loss and bankruptcy and addictions and lies and, and I know, because I, I try to have as lunch as much as possible, you know, with folks in our congregation, and you know, it's going to take me a while if I haven't got to you, but I, I'd love to, you know, just get to know as many, many stories as I can, and I hear it all the time, and I live it too. I've got my own problems, right? How do I, what must I believe to have peace in a dangerous world? Because the world is dangerous. It's a jungle out there, says Randy Newman. Next slide, please. So here's what I did that Wednesday. I watched American Ninja Warrior. Right? I couldn't get an update on the news, and I was just kind of tired. And so I watched, you know, this little five-foot, five 100-pound powerhouse, Casey something, dominate this course. Yeah, okay, yes, she's awesome. And um, I thought that was amazing. And then I went to bed, and I couldn't sleep. 
It was like 3.33 a.m., and I'm tossing, I'm turning. And I just rolled over, and I grabbed my wife. She's, like, ready to throw an elbow. Who is that? And I was like, no, she was sleeping. I was like, I just need, man, I need some peace. The world is dangerous. Well, that question, how do I, what must I believe to have peace in a dangerous world, that's going to be answered by the Bible this morning. So the, the, the book of Daniel is going to answer that question for us. It's going to tell us this, that God shows up. God shows up in dark places. God shows up in dark places. Next slide. little background on Daniel, right? Israel, God's nation. God shows up in a particular way for Israel, and uh, things don't go so well for them. They end up in a civil war. Nations divided, Israel north, Judah south. Daniel is about the folks of Judah. And there's a world superpower at the time. Next slide, please. Babylon, they have an empire. There was a computer game a while ago. Anybody remember the computer game Age of Empires? Yeah, it was, it was a big deal when I was in college. Anyway, you know, there's the, 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 uh, the Roman Empire, but before that was the Greek Empire, but before that was the Persian Empire, but before that, the Babylonian Empire. Here they are. Do you see where Israel is? It's like this, the, the little, I don't know, right there on the left, the part in the red, that's where Israel and Judah are. And so, so the way that Babylon played, uh, played ball was they would kidnap a bunch of people. This is how they conquered. An exile happened to Israel first with the Assyrians. Then Babylon takes over Judah, and they exile. That's just like a massive kidnapping. All right, can you imagine being one of those guys? What does that mean, leave? I mean, forced exile into Canada? That would be, actually, that would be kind of maybe okay. Forced exile into fill in the blank? I don't know. And so... What we see in the exile is this. God shows up through the witness of his people. So there's four friends, and they're from the royal family of Judah. Royal family, okay? The royal, like, it'd be like, uh, I don't know, William and Harry getting exiled to Chile or something. So they get exiled, and the king takes notice. King Nebuchadnezzar takes notice. There's a slide of Daniel and his four friends. They look pretty young. And it's likely they were fairly young because Daniel was in Babylon like 70 years under three kings. And uh, they're taken into the king's service. And don't think the king is doing them any favors. The king is trying to rewrite their code. He's trying to erase their history. He's trying to write their future for them. He gives them clothes. He gives them an education, three-year degree in Chaldean, language and literature. And he takes them into service in his palace. And he's trying to wipe out their belief in God. So what does he do? Next slide. Let's see. Yes. He builds a 90-foot statue, among other things. 90-foot gold statue. Here's the deal. Everybody from all over the world, all over the, the conquered Babylonian empire, was to come down and bow down at this statue. Now, whether this was a statue of the king or of the king's god, we're not quite sure. But three of the friends... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which I'll say Shad, Shack, and Benny, uh, they say we're not bowing down. We're not bowing down to that statue because God tells us not to do that. I am not going to compromise. I wonder, friends, in our lives, are there stands that we can take? Is it possible for us sometimes to recognize the situations where I'm being forced to bow down, change a zero on a spreadsheet, Right? Tell this little lie to get me out of a fix. 
avoid this conflict. And we know, like, I shouldn't bow down here. Think about that. And they say we're not bowing down. Why? Let's read. They said, O king, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. But here's the thing. They weren't guaranteed that. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. We're not bowing down. We're not giving an inch. No way. Later on, Daniel faces a similar situation. Um, Daniel, uh, uh, they find out that Daniel prays all the time, and he prays in front of an open window. He prays at set times of the day. And they pass a law. You pray to another god, death penalty, lion's den. We're going to watch lions tear you apart. Thank you. Tape. It works. Yes. Thank you. I, they told me that this microphone was for Tom. Uh, for Tom. And someone said, but they don't, but careful. So Tom's got a big head. And I was like, careful with that statement. You know? So anyway, the tape does the job. Excellent. Thank you. Um, so anyway, so they pass the law. No praying. No praying to any other God or else it's the lion den, lion's den. Daniel learned that the law had been signed. He went home and he knelt down as usual. As usual, after learning the law had been signed into his upstairs room with the windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. The officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking God for his help, both with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel. They're delivered. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown in the blazing furnace, and they survive. In fact, they don't see three people in there, they see four. Someone who looks like a son of God of some kind is in there with them, and they are cool as cucumbers. And with Daniel thrown into the lion's den, and he comes out in the morning without a scratch. Why? Because God is not going to let his witness get stamped out. God shows up in a dark place through the witness of his servants. He is not going to get, let his witness be stamped out. So at this point, you might be saying, Nathan, in fact, if I were sitting where you're sitting and some preacher was saying what I was saying, you're saying, Nathan, you tell me not to bow down to idols? You tell me how to survive getting thrown into a pit with a predatory animal? Kind of like pull up myself by my bootstraps and be like Daniel? That is not what I'm saying. It's not what I'm saying. And this is where the children's Bible stories often go wrong. Let's all be like Daniel. Let's all be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. No, no, no. No, no. God shows up in a dark place. So we should ask instead, who made this possible? What on earth are these folks made of? Who will not let the light go out? Where may this light be found? Those are good questions. Those are good questions. There's a, my favorite book, um, one of them, Lord of the Rings. And uh, there's these, you know, Frodo and his buddies go on this journey. And it's a very dark journey, a very dark road. And they meet this um, angelic figure, Galadriel. She 
She gives the, the travelers gifts, right? Oh, I'm about to cry because it's so cool. So the warriors get weapons, you know? Legolas gets a new bow, right? The uh, Frodo's companions get little daggers and stuff. Frodo gets light. But Fr- Frodo's carrying this massive burden in this very dark place. She gives him this light and says, Frodo, let this be a light to you when all other lights go out. And there are times, uh, here we go, facing uh, a, a, a dark passage, and there's this massive spider named Shelob, and he's, it's, it's a dark place, and he remembers, and he pulls out the light. But you want to know what? Frodo gets jabbed by the stinger of the spider. He gets bit, whatever. And what happens? Anybody know? Who knows what happens? Sam, his buddy, picks up the light and fights that spider. So here's the application. Seek the light. If you're facing a dark place, seek the light. Who's got it? Somebody's got it. You know, we Christians are a bunch of hypocrites. We are, and we fail. But not all of us, not all the time. Remember that. Not all of us, not all the time. Someone's got it. There's a Rita Springer song. It says this, in every country, somebody's singing. Somebody is dancing. Somebody is worshiping you. Find out where that light is and go to it. Somebody's got it. And I can tell you, at Green Tree Church, it is such a privilege that I feel like we are surrounded with light. Lots of strong, committed, faithful believers, brothers, sisters in Christ, who've gone through tremendous struggles and tragedies, and they still got it. God's witness not being stamped out. So to VBS 2014, next slide. Boom! You are not alone. Am I saying that this is what you should look like when you worship? No, I'm not saying that. This is kind of what it looks like. Can the faith, can their uh, look on their faces be manipulated and produced by somebody up front? Yeah, it could, but I don't think so. I don't think so. I've seen children tremble before the presence of God. We're not alone. Somebody's got it. Because God shows up in a dark place through the witness of his people. My prayer for our church is that we would be a fortress of light. We'd have captains and lieutenants, scouts going out, people coming in. We're a fortress. You know, there's domains of darkness. If you were to walk into certain businesses, you were to walk into certain neighborhoods, you were to walk into certain pagan temples, you could just feel the darkness, you know what I'm saying? When you're around a circle of buddies and they are ripping apart their boss or their coworker, you just kind of feel like that's just messed up. You know, when I was in high school, I ran with a circle of guys, tough guys. I've shared this a little bit before, kind of four by fours, you know, guns, alcohol, um, and making fun of people. And I, that was, that was, I could just tell this is not the right circle, but I couldn't stand up. You know what? I wasn't going to church. I didn't know intimately a single Christian. I was this little light, and you know what? My little light kind of like, 
went out, and I was doing what they did. Seek the light. God, may it be that green tree becomes a fortress of thy light. Second, God shows up in the face of all other powers. What we read, the, the call to worship that Chip read, you remember that, like God's dominion never ends? That was actually spoken by the pagan kings of Daniel. It's spoken like three different times by a number of different kings. God is the only true God, not just any old God. The God of Daniel is the true God. The God of Daniel is the true God. He's living and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. So, got to get a little technical for the Bible person. So let me get a little techie for a second. This is pretty important. Daniel chapter 7 is this prophecy of like the end, the end of history, the end of time. Notice the shared language with what is said of the kings. What is said by the kings in Daniel who confess, these pagan kings confess that Daniel's God is the true God. Notice what Daniel 7 says. There came one uh, like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days, who's God. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples and nations and languages should serve him. Who's he talking about? Jesus. He's talking about Jesus. You want to know, know how I know? Revelation chapter 5. And again, a little, little technical, but the, the, the parallels are, are, are unmissable. There's this worship scene in Revelation chapter 4. It's worshiping the creator. In chapter 5, it's worshiping the lamb. And they're saying, worthy are you, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and every language and every people and every nation. And you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God. How? 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 By the blood of Jesus, by forgiveness. Saying that God shows up in dark places. And the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus ransoms a people for God. And on the lips of all the powers of the world, this will eventually be so. And I know that it takes a little more hope for this one. Okay, and that's why we got to go to church. We got to get around Christians who have the light. But in terms of God taking over the whole, you know, shooting match, God redeeming the whole world, and every earthly authority will eventually get this. It takes some hope, right? And we've got to wait, right? We've got to wait for our health to improve. We got to wait. We got to struggle through addiction. We got to, we got to go to God in prayer with issues between our spouse. We've got to, we've got to wait. In sorrow, when we lose someone, we've got to grieve, but not without hope. But God shows up in dark, in a dark place. And this is the end game. This is the end game. Revelation 5, here's the worship. Oh, it's to both of them, the ancient of days, to him who sits on the throne and unto the lamb, Jesus, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever. Nathan, you might say, this sounds like pie in the sky. How do I deal with this one? You're saying that God shows up. Okay, well, here's an application point. Surrender to the kingship of God. The first one, remember, was seek the light. Now it's surrender. If he's king, then he's king. 
If what he says of himself, Daniel chapter 7, is what was being said by pagan kings, he's king of everything. Surrender. Acknowledge sin and estrangement. Ask for forgiveness through the blood of Jesus. You know, there's probably two kinds of people. There's lots of different kinds of people here today, but I'm going to put them in two categories. Either you know this or you don't. And to those Christians who know this, take courage. Get around your brothers and sisters in Christ. Go back to the cross if you're struggling. Go back to the cross. It's okay to, to repent again. Not for, you know, uh, Lord, I'm not a Christian anymore. But like, Lord, I'm a Christian. I should be doing better. I'm sorry. First John chapter 1. We need to be faithful to confess. And he is faithful to forgive all the time. So if you're a Christian, this is for you. Seek the light. Surrender to God's kingship. Acknowledge that you need forgiveness by the blood of Jesus. And if you're in here and you're not, you don't know this, I don't believe it is any accident that you are in here. I think we all need to settle this question sooner or later. Where am I going? Where am I, where am I going if a tragedy strikes? Is there a God? Is this a cosmic accident? Or is there a God? And how can I follow him? God shows up in dark places. This is what we see in Daniel. I want to tell a story as we conclude. Hopefully we'll bring it all together. Does anybody know this is a satellite picture? And this, you see, is illuminated. These are city lights. This is land right here. And that's being illuminated. There's a land in between that's dark. Anybody know what that land is? Anybody guess? North Korea. How do we live at peace? How do we, what do we need to believe to have peace in a dangerous world? And I encourage you to do some research on North Korea. Darkness. That might get me shot someday if they ever take over. I don't think, they, I don't think they've got the muscle, but maybe if they had the muscle, they would want to. If you study anything about North Korea, actually, uh, their number one enemy is USA. I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm just saying they're kind of belligerent, right? And they don't have enough money. There's people who are starving in North Korea. So we're going to tell a story about uh, a Christian in North Korea. Hey Wu. Hey Wu is this Christian. And her daughter died because she didn't have enough food. And her husband becomes a believer, and he leaves to go to China. He's caught and he's thrown into a prison camp. He's gone. Hey Wu has to consider this question. Is the empire God? Is Kim Il-sung, is he God? No. You know, Hey Wu's mom was a Christian. Her husband had become a Christian. She's considering these questions. She's like, I got to go to China too because there's no food here. I've got to get out of here. She goes to China. You know what? She's caught at the border, thrown into prison camp. And then she converts. I don't know what testimony she had, maybe from her mom or whatever, but she seeks the light and she becomes a Christian. And she gets thrown in the prison camp and she does something so dangerous, so radical, so Christ-like in that place. She says, I am called. I am called to spread the light. I am called to show that God shows up in a dark place. And I will testify.
and these powers around, they will know. They might take my life from me. You might say, you might take my spouse from me, my kids from me. I might get fired. But you will know. You will know that God is king. And his way is Christ through forgiveness. She becomes an evangelist in this prison camp in North Korea. Do you know where they worship? In outdoor bathrooms. Let us seek the light and pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. God, I pray for courage. I pray for the courage not to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, Lord, but for the courage to seek this one who will not go without a witness, to seek the Lord Jesus, God on the throne, to seek you and know you, a God who we cannot put away, we cannot ignore forever, a God who shows up in dark places. Oh God, encourage us. Let Green Tree Church be a fortress of light. Amen.